0: Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lami And we are in a new year. Yes, we are. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year. How's it been so far? Um, it's been very good. Very good. Is I, yes, I have. Two days in
0: and we're very Two days in, I
1: have caught up on all of the El Rey Godzilla marathon.
0: Ah, uh, yes, I understand.
1: Two days of Gojira. So and yes, Mothra. And Mothra. You saw with me. That was an achievement.
0: I didn't care for it. (laughs) Why not? Because I don't care about it. (laughs) Not because I don't like it. It's not a dislike. I just don't. It's a lack
1: of like, which is not a dislike. Precisely. All right, I understand.
0: It's not a negative. It's just not a positive. What else? Just the New Year.
1: Yes, and it was really fun, and there was good food, and Yeah. I enjoyed our it. typical yes
0: appetizer bonanza,
1: which is to take all the appetizers, that look palatable, and um,
0: bake them and eat them. Yes, that's
1: exactly <laughs> it. And
0: now we are sitting in our dining room, both wrapped in a blanket because even in California it is cold.
1: Very cold. Well, for California,
0: yeah, we're at fifty, so we're lucky because apparently much of the country is at like negative twenty. No, thank you. We're pampered, and we just watched the finale.
1: The the finale, season
0: finale, season one of season one of Twin Peaks, called the Last Evening, and it was predictably bonkers. Yes, it was bonkers. We had to expect that, and also, just as an overarching critique. The timeline didn't make any sense. It
1: does make sense of several of the things. It does make sense if several of the things are happening simultaneously.
0: Fair, then they should have had clocks because the way that it was shown uh-huh. didn't make sense.
1: Um, it was confusing.
0: It was a little bit confusing. But many things got wrapped up, other things left out in the open. Uh, Why don't you read us the Wikipedia
1: synopsis? The Wikipedia synopsis will not do justice to it. Well, it never does. Under the orders of Ben Horn, Leo embarks on a plan not only to burn the Packard sawmill, but to eliminate Shelley, Catherine Martell, and Bobby Briggs in one fell swoop. Things take a rather violent turn when Agent Cooper successfully lures Jacques Renault across the Canada-U.S. border, and his involvement in the death of Laura is revealed. Nadine tries to end her life, and Laura's father, Leland, takes the law into his own hands. Later, Cooper gets a nasty surprise on his return to his hotel room at the Great Northern Hotel.
0: That, that does actually sum pretty much everything up.
1: It misses all the running around. Well, because it's
0: really hard to s- synopsize. And then they went here, and then they went there. That's what we're here for. Well,
1: wow. they went running from location to location.
0: We start where we ended, with Doctor Jacoby's office, with some terrible wallpaper. Not surprising, given the terribleness of the rest of his decor. Um, he loves Hawaii.
1: He, he collects loves the tropics, anyhow.
0: well. I think it is Hawaii. Is it Hawaii specifically, specifically? it seems like it, and he collects
1: tasteless things.
0: Well, I was talking specifically about the cocktail umbrellas uh-huh. with weird quotes on them or song titles. It, it was, might be
1: important historical dates.
0: But what do, do the what, do those quotes that were written on the tags mean anything to you?
1: I think one of them was a historical date. I don't know. If they that all was. had only two dates. Examples. Yeah
0: they had dates on them and then quotes but I couldn't tell if they were song titles or
1: no perhaps someone in our vast audience could if you know
0: what they were write in so Donna and James are both searching through his house and they have no idea what they're doing Um, they start Donna's like where should we look and James is like everywhere Thanks, James. That's very helpful. Um, and then he just opens the first drawer he sees. Um, Donna pushes a button on the wall and tiki music starts playing. Or like um, like ukulele music, yeah. maybe? I, I,
1: that scene, they're really incompetent. They don't. If they're don't. trying to be the Hardy Boys, they're failing miserably. You don't seem to understand that they're leaving their fingerprints all over everything, that they're picking up whatever...
0: Donna's first move is to take off her gloves. I was like, what are you doing? Even if they're woolen gloves, they're still better than the straight-up fingerprints that you're about to leave all over his house. And also, um... Yeah, stop poking things. She's Just poking things. Uh, But then he... she remembers that he... But Laura had something had said something about a coconut, yes, being a little coconut or something. And she sees a coconut on the wall, like hanging from something, just a coconut, like like you do, like you have oh, yeah. And she picks up the coconut and finds that it opens somehow. and then there's tapes inside of it. It was <laughs> just like the most improbable. And the most obvious yes. Of evidence of all time, maybe. Um, and then also hiding in that same coconut is the necklace uh, that they had previously hidden and that Jacobi had previously uh, scooped up.
1: Which conveniently ties together all the clues they're looking for.
0: That's right. So convenient.
1: Meanwhile,
0: Jacobi has gone to Easter Park... Where the gazebo is, and is creeping on, quote unquote, Laura, yeah, exactly. who is Maddie, who is still wearing a wig, for no reason. Why is she still wearing the wig, Lemuel?
1: I have no idea, and she's, yeah. I don't. I don't. It I also notice that she speaks very little in this episode. She does. She There's a
0: lot of big eyes looking from behind bigger glasses. Right. It's
1: almost as if you could effectively write her out of this episode with almost no change in dialogue. It's not like she has a but real exchange with anybody. Physically, she has to be there. No, because she's the catalyst for everything that happens.
0: Right. So Jacoby is creeping up on Maddie, who is, like I said, wearing mm-hmm. the blonde wig still. Even though she is in the park where she doesn't expect anybody to find her except. Right. James and Donna, who know what she's up to. There's no reason for her to be blonde. There's no reason. And Jacoby sort of inches up on her and is talking to himself. And it's like, why did you send me to the other place? And he is inching up on her and inching up on her. And then he gets whacked from behind by a big dude with a ski mask over his face who hits him repeatedly, Repeatedly, and then apparently, we find out later, instigates a heart attack in Jacoby. But we don't know who has hit him, but they leave him there basically for dead. Meanwhile, Maddie doesn't hear any of this, um, and gets picked up by James and Donna, and they end up just driving away.
1: But they come to some important realizations, though. So it's not completely fruitless what they did.
0: No, what they did wasn't fruitless. <coughs> the,
1: the way, way they, they went about, about it was <laughs> ridiculous.
0: Yeah. But, but what yeah. they did, actually, and we'll get to that, but it's a it's a ways away. First we go back to One-Eyed Jacks. Cooper's playing the blackjack with Jacques Renault.
1: Who, by the way, is revolting. He
0: is gross. Yes. Yeah. And he gets... Grosser as the episode goes, he's obviously counting cards. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was obvious to you, but it was mm-hmm. pretty obvious to me. He hits on like he even
1: says it later on. But yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. he hits on like a looks like a fifteen with a face down card, and he got a two, and he had a three, or he got a three, and he had a three, and it was a twenty one, and it beats a double king. Twenty one beats twenty, ladies and gentlemen, and germs and tips Jacques the broken $1,000 poker chip uh, that was found at Jacques' cabin.
1: Right. Um, And we learned about that. There was a question about, I think you asked about it last week, why it was cracked, right?
0: Why it was cracked? Well, the J piece of it Uh was in Laura's stomach. Um, And then, but it was like, so perfect it's yes. like the most perfectly cut out portion of a thing that's ever been if that had broken that way it would have cracked all the way across this mm. like it's a piece of plastic it's not that structurally sound but this is magical David Lynch land I guess he says come talk to me I'm a friend of Leo's and of course Shock is like well, I don't know who Leo is well, I don't know what you're talking about um and then we sort of go to another room at the One Eye Jack's where Audrey Oh poor Audrey she's all tarted up and There's paraded no in front of Blackie and she has to pick a card. She picks the Queen of Diamonds. Of course she does. Of course she does. And Blackie is sort of excited that she's there because she's like, "Oh, the owner's coming by, and he likes to sample all the girls." Spoiler alert: It's not gonna go well. We actually don't know. We don't, <laughs> I
1: hope it doesn't go well.
0: Oh, I'm gonna knock on every piece of wood in this house that it does not go well. Which I guess is when we find out that Benjamin Horn doesn't just go regularly to One Eye Jack's, but he does, in fact own One-Eyed Jacks. Right. Then we flip back to Coop and Jacques sitting at a table where Cooper is really buttering Jacques up, and Jacques is like, I don't believe you. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you have some money for me? I believe everything you say, and I'm going to spill my guts.
1: Well, no, the, what you see there is Cooper using real detective skills.
0: Yeah. Because he
1: knows enough information to insinuate that he's part of the plan that runs uh, drugs back and forth mm-hmm. over the border. Yeah, he
0: does. He says, you know, Leo's the middleman. Mm-hmm. You do all of the work. He makes all the money. But you're the you and your brother are the ones running the drugs across the border. Yeah. And does he even tell you who's um, who's selling on the other side? And yeah. Leo's like, or and uh, Jacques is like. No, he's just some high school kid or whatever. Um, so he does. So we know who the high school kid he is. He does do that, but Jacques is not the sharpest tool in the shed.
1: Jacques is not there for his um, for his ability to uh, outwit or outthink anybody. Right. I mean, basically, he's sort of this. Um, he feels like a
0: patsy. If he,
1: he looks like a bulldog.
0: Well. He, yeah, I don't want to talk about his looks, because that's just the way that God made him. <laughs> what he does with his looks, with his waggling eyebrows and his His waggling tongue.
1: eyebrows and his tongue. Mm. Yeah, um, but I, I believe that he actually genuinely is fooled by Cooper. He's, uh, oh, I think so, too. Yeah, but he gives him just enough information and then suggests that he's the person in charge. Yeah, he's like,
0: well, Leo's not the money. Where do you think mm-hmm. Leo gets all the money from? And because Which, it is a, a little bit surprising to me, though, that Jacques doesn't know that Ben Horn is the money, mm-hmm. because Ben Horn is his employer at One Eye Jacks. I feel like he would glean some of this information from his daily life, but it's possible that he's too busy looking at boobies to comprehend what's. Which,
1: admittedly, would be happening. a distraction.
0: Oh, absolutely. There were some beautiful boobies throughout the whole of the episode. I shall say nothing. (laughs) That's probably for the best. Cooper sort of flashes him the money wad that he has uh, been working with there, and um, he says, I've got $10,000. We'll cut out the middleman. I just need you to do a quick run. I'll give you half now, half later. Jacques pulls takes one of the chunks of cash, and it's like, sounds good, where do I have to be? Um, And of course, Cooper says, you know, other side of the border, yo, because I have no power here in Canada, so I need to get you to the United States. And then he says he wants to know the story behind the broken poker chip. And Jacques describes a really kind of heinous scene, and he describes it so callously of... Lanette and Laura were both tied up, but they enjoyed that. The minor bird really loved Laura, like, would say her name a lot and acted like he it was sort of infatuated with her, and Leo let the bird out, and the bird sort of landed on Laura's shoulder while she was tied up and apparently was being yes violated by leo but not in a non-consensual way he says
1: Mm -hmm. um and well that's something that we learn later that's actually accurate yeah
0: right from Uh, Laura's own
1: mouth well
0: but we don't know when her consent would have started and stopped if she's being attacked (laughs) by a bird and he puts And she's like, the the bird is hurting her. And um, so she's sort of crying and trying to get it off of her. And um, Leo says he put the poker chip in Laura's mouth and says, bite the bullet, baby, bite the bullet. And uh, Laura swallowed the broke. She bit down on it and Mm. swallowed the broken part of it. And Cooper stays pretty stone-faced through the whole thing.
1: But it was... To the credit, to take Kyle McLaughlin's credit, there is an underlying oh, disgust in absolutely. his face as he's listening to this. And that's a really...
0: But it's very right. subtle, and it is and, not to a point where Jacques would, like, right. ever caught on to it. He was like, oh, this guy, he'd be into it too, or whatever. Like, mm. Although Jacques, I think, might be a person who has surrounded himself with the type of people who are into such right. depravity, and
1: so he just figures that's Well, he's not an atmosphere world. of depravity even where he is right there. Absolutely. So, yeah, the, the fact that um, he's commenting on how much Ronette and Laura were enjoying this. Right. Uh, I don't think that, and it's really going into the, the, maybe, I hate to overuse a word that I don't fully understand the psychology of people like him, is that they don't seem to understand where consent ends. No. So, But also, you know, I don't know
0: that he know, he really is a person who understands that women are whole human beings with their own... Probably not. ...yays and nays and thoughts and desires unto themselves. I think that he may be a... But ladies are for men to put their junk in.
1: Well, ladies are for use. Right.
0: However that is. Right. Um, so then... <laughs> Then we go back to Leo's house, and I say Leo's house, even though it's Shelly that we're going to be visiting, because she has decided that, even though earlier today she was crying to Bobby about how she was going to be murdered by her husband whom she has shot, she went ahead, worked a full day, and then decided, I'm going to go home. (sighs) Shelly. Shelly.
1: Shelly. She has lovely hair.
0: She has beautiful hair, and mm-hmm. she 's decided she 's going to wash it in the sink.
1: It makes up most of her body weight <laughs> it probably does well.
0: um so she is washing her hair in the sink, but she has put her gun right next to the sink for safety, even though she's sh- she's washing her hair in the shower or in the kitchen sink right in front of a window mm-hmm. at night, so anybody outside could totally see in
1: right. um
0: and she gets some soap in her eye like you would and she reaches over for a towel and it keeps getting further and further away from her oh no someone is there who is it it's leo of course it's leo and he basically kidnaps her and it's like shelly you made me do this at which point i'm kind of like yeah shelly you kind (laughs) of made him do it because why are you there right now? Norma would 100% let you crash on her couch. It's,
1: it's pretty remarkable one of the choices that this woman has made. Where I feel like, and it's a flaw in the writing, is that she's making decisions that make utterly no sense at all. You know, I'm being hunted, so I guess it's time to wash my hair by myself in my house. Yeah. Right. This it's is the just, best choice to make.
0: It, it's every bad choice in every horror movie. Right. It's just, uh, I can't think that you are a fully functioning adult, Shelly, because you're not a fully functioning adult. <laughs> Making the she worst does
1: choices. not make adult decisions, or at least reasonable adult decisions. It's, it's kind it's of. It's very hard
0: for me to be like, gee, I hope you make it out of this, because I don't know that I can trust you to live a life. I'm grateful that you don't have children right now, which might be cruel, but, like,
1: come on, lady. Well, I think that we also have to remember that she's very, very young. I she mean. is.
0: That's true. But and so I she,
1: agree. she makes really stupid decisions, very kind of boneheaded decisions that put herself at risk. She never seems to have any con- uh, idea of her own mortality.
0: Or maybe she's, like, suicidal. Maybe she's like, I just it'd be easier to just get it over with, whatever it is. and uh,
1: You know, that could, that could totally be it. I mean, that's a, another consideration because, again, she seems to throw no... She puts no thought into what her actions no. are. She does things that are reckless as dating... The
0: women in this town right. all sort of disregard their own safety for nothing, for no reason. Just... They just do... This, this is still only like a week out from the murder of a 17-year-old. And yeah. these women are sneaking around at night with strangers. These women are standing in parks in wigs. These women are going home yeah. when they know that their murderous husband knows where they'll be. These women, like, they don't, none of them. There is not a woman in this town that is making smart decisions about her own health and well-being. And sometimes specifically detrimental decisions about their health and well-being, but we'll get to that in a minute. So we go, we... um, It's two hours later. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We know this because Cooper said, show up at this place in two hours to Jacques, and Jacques was like, I can make that happen. And then we see him pulling up, and we hear over the police radio a heavy-handed fishing metaphor um and so jacques pulls in three cop cars surround him so we get to see more police it's not no, just are the they three of them
1: Canadian police or are they no no okay, they're yeah. in the u.s right.
0: and that was okay. what cooper why cooper said meet me there because mm-hmm. it was on the other side of the border okay. um it's at um a power plant it's at a power plant
1: i thought it was a water Distillation. Well,
0: this is power plant. I think power plant. But it's some sort of, yeah, facility in the middle of the night where there aren't any workers or anything. They put him under arrest for the attempted murder of Ronette Pulaski and the murder of Laura Palmer. And Jacques manages to sort of wriggle out of the person who's cuffing him at that Mm -hmm. moment and grabs that person's gun. It's a indeterminate police officer that we haven't seen before. Right. And he turns around and attempts to shoot Harry. Now, Harry <laughs> doesn't react very well. He sort of cowers next to an open I'd car door. I
1: still to use the word cowering. I think he's hiding behind the car door because that's but what she's supposed to do. But he doesn't
0: get behind. He just sort of leans up against it. He doesn't mm-hmm. get behind. Like... He doesn't put the car door between him and the gun. He halfway
1: does it, which makes it really silly. And he also is in a position to where he could be shot through the open window of the car as well. It's not a great situation
0: for for Harry. Mm. And you hear a shot ring out, but it isn't. Shock. It's Andy.
1: Andy.
0: Standing next to Truman.
1: Somehow accidentally shot him.
0: Sure-footed. Nah, this wasn't an accident. He pulled that gun out deliberately. He is so... Stone solid, holding that gun, looking like he knows what the hell he's doing. Um, like and, dirty hairy with thinning hair. And uh, I'm not sure where he shot Jacques. I don't know if it's in his arm. I'm
1: guessing because the arm is later seen. Right, or shoulder arm, or something
0: like that. But he doesn't kill him, but he definitely takes him down. And then we are at Donna's house. And it's Donna, James, and Maddie listening to the tape that Laura uh, made the last night of her life. Now, I. We had to watch the scene twice because I sort of zone out whenever I hear Laura, Laura's voice because it's very cloying. She sounds like a mean girl, and so I just sort of like. I don't want to hear it. It's very, it's high pitched. Like it's higher pitched than I think that that actress's voice actually is. Um, so it's she's got like a, an affectation to it, and she's um, she starts rambling about how James is so sweet but so dumb, and she says I can only handle so much dumb or so much sweet. It's not the dumb that she has a problem with. It's the sweet she has a problem with. And she says that she has a mystery man. she tell him, tell Dr. Jacoby who that was, but then he might be a history man. Yes. Wow, what a, what a wordsmith she is. Um,
1: well, she thinks so.
0: But she says that this dangerous man that she knows, he, she thinks he's tried to kill her twice, but she got off on it. So there is an indication that, yes, maybe she did like to be tied up. Maybe she did enjoy that she dangerous uh, of aspect of this relationship. And she doesn't say his name, but she says that he has a red Corvette. And we know who has a red Corvette. Right,
1: exactly. Leo I think that was an important Corvette. scene because it provides that clue. I think that also, when one of the aspects that you might find terrible about her character, or the way that she uh, speaks... There's a real effort to write her like a teenage girl, and so she does really Is that what it is stupid this capricious things like, sets me on fire f i r yeah good God, you know yes, we all know how to spell fire and, but scene is really good because it kind of it liberates the young couple to actually experience
0: It does. And and Donna immediately right. you know And there,
1: Flora Flamboyal, hats off to her because in that scene you can see the way that she's looking at her boy mm-hmm. new boyfriend.
0: At James and
1: and seeing and, how
0: he's hurt by this. Right.
1: And she's feeling for him mm-hmm. and that was really well played.
0: And he says, I'm glad I needed to hear her say right. that. So it gives them,
1: it gives him some closure. And the unfortunate part is Laura's cousin. He also apologizes to her that she had to had hear. to hear
0: that. Like this is not the most flattering way for you to have to remember your cousin. And she's Maddie's like, it's cool, yo. <laughs> <laughs> and while they're list, does that that cracked me up too? Because while they're listening to this in the dining room, right? Her dad is gets ready to go out, so she like goes out to the foyer and is like, bye, dad. And I'm like, why would you? I would think he would be eavesdropping because wouldn't he be hearing?
1: Everyone here is either, well, they're either eavesdropping because eavesdropping goes on a lot here in town. That's true. Or they're so decent they don't eavesdrop.
0: Maybe. I also think that there's a tunnel vision. Right. So he's gotten called in because Jacoby and Jacques are in the hospital. um, And he's the.
1: Big night for them. Yes, he's (laughs) the physician.
0: So then we see Leo with Shelly at the sawmill, and Shelly is tied up. He is uh, sort of sprinkling gas all over the place. He's made a timer of some sort with an egg timer. So
1: Sophisticated equipment. That
0: is correct. Mm -hmm. Now, he is setting the timer for an hour. We don't know. It's my impression that he does not... He hasn't been hired to kill anyone. Right. He's been hired to burn this place down. Now, he's going to use it as a twofer and kill someone. you,
1: the, the plant seems to be open 24 hours. Or it does. There's, this there's is only
0: one building. This is okay. Building 3, which we find out from a phone call later on. It's like Reserve Building 3 or something like that. It's only one of the buildings. It's not the main mill because, yeah, there are workers People are working all the way up, and we see them sort of working in the in the uh, later when we see Pete and um, Catherine talking. But here's my question: What time is it? Yeah. <laughs> so Shelly's worked a full shift, gone home, been kidnapped, and now we're setting this thing for an hour from now. My guess is it's two ish. I think that's probably about this. I think this might be happening about the same time as Jacques is getting arrested. Right. Then, oh, and then Leo says, "You've got an hour to think about what you've done." He says, "He's she's broken his heart, even though he was out doing God knows what with all of these other women, right. including uh, clearly Laura." And he says, "You have an hour to think about what you've done to me, and by that time, Bobby Briggs will be dead."
1: So. Which is funny, there's all this sort of circular plot where if everyone had been successful, it seems like half the town would have wiped each other out without meaning to. Right,
0: right, because I I think Leo expects that he's been hired to burn the mill down. He doesn't expect anybody to be in the mill at the time, so he's put Shelley there, but he doesn't expect Catherine to be there, although... His employers expect Catherine to be there. And then we go over to Big Ed's house. But Big it's Ed. Nadine. Nadine is wearing a lovely pink frock, satin frock. And she has taken this drape runner rejection real hard. She has set up a little picnic blanket on the floor. She pours herself some distilled water. And then she pours two bottles of pills into a bowl. So, so. Weird method, but and they're the most lucky charms looking pills I've ever seen. There are these orange capsules and pink um tablets and
1: blue diamonds.
0: <laughs> they might as well be, they were so bright.
1: There's something about the way that scene is photographed because she clearly there is an element as you brought up of Disney princess to this. Uh, she's, she's uh,
0: she looks like she's gonna be Sleeping Beauty or something.
1: Well, in this case, in forever this case, Sleeping I guess Beauty. so, but yeah, that scene it's it's hard to because you you don't quite or at least i don't quite feel sympathetic towards her
0: we don't know her enough right (laughs) we don't know her enough to be like nadine no but also nadine no (laughs) (laughs) you've only asked one person they said no that doesn't mean no forever she doesn't perceive
1: these things very well
0: no So we don't know what the pills are, but presumably it's like sleeping pills Mm -hmm. or something like that. She writes a suicide note and folds it up and puts it in an envelope, and then then we cut out. And then we're at the Packard home with Hank and Josie. And Hank has $90,000 in a suitcase. And then he proceeds to... It's like the equivalent of reading her several word problems. So she's like, we had an agreement, this is how much money you're getting. And he's like, but a man's life is worth different things depending on how long he might live. And what if he took a plea to one thing to get out of a murder that he might also be responsible for, but that might come back and get him, put him in jail for 20 years. And she's like, we had an agreement. Like, she just keeps saying, we had, that's your dollars, take your dollars, (laughs) and GTFO. But, um...
1: Well, like most of the men in the town, he doesn't seem to understand that any of his actions have consequences.
0: No, and, yeah, and the way, it's unclear. We still don't know exactly what happened, but it seems like... He murdered somebody Mm -hmm. and then used this manslaughter thing as an alibi for the murder he actually committed, which he basically admits to murdering someone.
1: You're right, that that whole scene seems to very much be two people reading two separate scripts. Yeah. Um, Because he's going on and on, and then there's his odd biblical quotation that he attributes to an oriental philosophy book. He
0: used the word oriental twice. It yeah,
1: was, it was right. very odd, because I'm looking at it going, no, I, that, that's... <laughs> but, it was very strange. It gives the impression that he's a little mixed up and not too bright, but then again of course we knew that already, I think.
0: So, the, the implication here is, he killed Andrew, her mm-hmm. husband, and then, I don't know if he actually killed the vagrant, I assume that he did both of the murders right. and cop to one to get out of the other.
1: Which would make him the smartest criminal in Twin Peaks.
0: Right. And then, in exchange, $90,000 from Josie. Yeah. She is a murderess without getting her own hands dirty. Exactly. But she hired somebody to kill Very her husband.
1: Delicate and well manicured hands.
0: Um, well, not so well manicured because at the end of this scene, he blood brothers them. He takes a knife and cuts her hand, her thumb and cuts his thumb and then they mush them together. And well, then she doesn't mush
1: them together. He forces them together. He forces she has, together. She does not want to be a part of this.
0: No. And then he puts his thumb in his mouth and she takes her thumb and rubs it all over her, her lips so that she has a lovely new lipstick shade. It's very weird. I'm like, why is that your move? Just run that under that some water. Seems, Boiling if is it,
1: it really, you realize how many people will be incredibly disappointed when they find out what's going on the length that she went to. Not just Truman, but her... Uh, Pete. Yeah, her bestie. Poor, poor Pete. Who's so smitten it with her. he just wants a that, fishing buddy. Right.
0: And then we're over at the mill and Catherine... Is looking for the missing ledger and she is looking at it like a dog digging up a bone she is just tossing things everywhere and um, Pete's like isn't it in your stupid small safe at home and she's like it's not there and then because she knows that it could implicate her in a whole bunch of crimes right. and also she knows that people are literally out to kill her she gives a lovely little speech about how you were a lumberjack who could climb a tree like a cat and I was the boss's little sister in, from the big house on the hill and they had a summer indiscretion and they've been sort of trapped together ever since. But if you ever cared about me, please help me find this ledger. And he's like, why do you need me? And she's literally like, I've lived my life in such a way that literally you are the only person who would help me. You have some kindness in your heart, and I haven't, you know, killed you.
1: Doesn't have a heart.
0: So everyone everyone else I know wants to either betray me or murder me, so uh, you're my literal last hope.
1: And it, it makes me feel bad for him, knowing, of course, that Josie's also going to betray him or has betrayed him already, without his knowing that he has nobody left. This is this poor guy. Yeah. Yeah. He. I've
0: He's the purest. Right. Oh, Pete. Um. And then we're over at the sheriff's station, and Hawk is like bragging on Andy, like. You should have seen it. He was cool and collected. One shot. Didn't even think about it. Like, it was awesome. Hawk was like, that's my boy. And then well, Lucy finally, walks by. He finally
1: gets to be proud of him. Yes,
0: so. maybe that is it. Like, he's been watching him grow, <laughs> and he's like, he's a man now. Uh, Lucy is watering the plants at 2 a.m. or whatever, <laughs> as you do. It, even later than that. It's right, going to be like 3 Before now. she
1: sets up the donut display.
0: They're like, go get her, and she's in the little kitchenette, and he goes in there and like closes the weird little cloth doors behind him, and turns her around and kisses her, and it's like two adolescents kissing. I mean, it's pretty. It's chaste. It's not like right. messy or whatever, but it's just like, mm-hmm. and she's like, I'm pregnant, and Andy is like,
1: just silent.
0: Right. Just silent for so long, and then we just see him walk away, and it's like, oof, your move was to stamp up, dude, and I don't think you did.
1: So all that sort of masculine vigor that he had coming into the scene oh, just gone. gets deflated. You
0: would think it would get even bigger. Mm-hmm. You're a man. Right. You impregnated this woman, I assume. I assume it's his, well, or she
1: wouldn't have said that. This town is very much a soap opera, could it, so it could very well be that's not the case.
0: Oh, and I missed this part. Uh, Bobby calls the station pretending to be Leo
1: mm-hmm.
0: and tells him to look into James Hurley because he's a, quote, easy rider. Uh, I don't know. There's so First, much... I don't...
1: It's like... Le- mm. Right. Okay, <laughs> <we're on>. That's <laughs> all we have to it? say.
0: That's fine. And then we're at the hospital, and Cooper and Truman are um, questioning uh, Jacques Renault, Mm -hmm. who gives details of the um, night at the cabin that he had previously given sort of lewd details about. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he got in a fight with Leo, who hit him over the head with a whiskey bottle. When he came to, Leo and the girls were gone. Uh, Cooper's like, he's too stupid to lie, so... Leo must have taken the girls to the train them uh, right. himself. Then we are over at the diner, and Hank calls Catherine, and tells her that the ledger she's looking for is at the oh here we go the Packard Sawmill in drying shed number four.
1: Okay, which is where the number comes in. Um
0: yeah, and if she wants it, she needs to meet him there. Um so Catherine packs her little gun and goes because all of the ladies in the show, even though they make terrible decisions. They do so with little guns. adorable firearms. So then he goes back and tries to talk to Norma. Mm-hmm. And is like, I want to tell you things, but I haven't earned the right to do so because I've only been out for two days. And um, she's like, just say it. Like Say whatever you're going to say. Um, and he's like, um, I love you and it's been twenty years since we got together, and maybe it's not the last twenty years that count, but the next twenty. And then kisses her, and when he pulls away, her lip is like curled. It's like she is like I don't almost
1: like w- her mouth or her lips withdrew inside yes. behind her teeth somehow. It's like
0: I don't want any of this. Like she, she's she doesn't physically recoil, mm-hmm. but there's definitely right. recoil there. Um, And then at the same time, Ed gets home and finds Nadine on the floor. And he calls 911 and really seems genuinely distraught. Like, at no point do you see him go, phew, now I can have my real love, Norma. He's literally like, please don't die, Nadine. He's the other decent guy in town. He is. (laughs) He is. And then at the sheriff's station leland shows up and says did you catch i heard you caught a guy did you mm-hmm. find the man is it the killer and they say we found a su- we have a suspect in, in custody okay once again time wise and also uh, police scanners what's happening why does leland know that any of this is happening it mm-hmm. is the literal middle of the night it is sometime between 2 a.m and 5 a.m. It is still dark outside. Right, exactly. Why are you awake, Leland? You need to be taking some sleeping pills. I'm sure Invitation to Love is on
1: somewhere. You can watch it. <laughs> right. There's no accounting for why he's there.
0: Why would he know right. what is happening? Like, does he have a bug in the police station? Is there a mole that called him? There is no reason for him to have any idea what's happening. Mm -hmm. He's clearly unhinged at this point.
1: The other solution would be that he's just been there all day at the police station. And And that he he just just spends his days there.
0: Although we've seen him, Mm. he was in the living room when Maddie snuck out that same night with her wig. So he was at the Palmer house in the living room Mm. the last time we saw him. And that was probably pretty late at night, between 9 and 11, I'd Mm -hmm. say. Um, Not, you know, obviously as late as it is now. But he was home. So, yeah, I don't understand how he knows. But he hears that the suspect that they have is at the hospital. James uh, shows up at the station um, with the tape. He's going to give the tape to Cooper and Truman to say, hey look into the guy with the red Corvette, i.e. Leo is your dude, right? Right. And Cooper isn't listening to him at all. He's like, you're too dumb, I'm not listening to you. And I don't know when they went out and did it, but he says, I've been very patient with you, James, but from now on I'm going to need a better set of answers. And then he pulls out a towel that has the plastic bag of cocaine that was in his thing. And
1: he's so we now determined because I know that last time that we spoke, we were not quite sure what was going yes. on with the tent. So
0: Bobby's idea is to frame him, not right, to okay. not to blow
1: him up. Although, it's still it was ambiguous even in this episode, because as they drive away, um, Bobby sneaks up behind them. And as says, they're leaving. what does he say? He like pulls a trigger with pew his pew fingers. Pew, pew, or right?
0: whatever, yeah.
1: No, pew, pew, no. Pew, pews him. Because that's tough. Yeah, <laughs> tough guy.
0: But like... My my first instinct is, you want to know where this cocaine came from, I want to know where your search warrant is. Because that is some fruit from a poisoned-ass tree. Like, you don't get to just go into my gas tank right. at 3 o'clock in the morning based on a tip from a man that you believe is a murderer right, and okay. a drug dealer. Like, what? I think that... Um... I'd just be like, arrest me. But that is, there is a, definitely this not admissible. Is
1: really, uh, Twin Peaks is not a police procedural. It's not. And so a lot of the things that happen, it's not even really a detective story. Um, no, not even that, even really. It reminds me of like a, a giallo, you know? I don't know what that is. A giallo are the Italian horror films that are like slasher movies, like uh, Dario Argento makes, where the point really isn't who the killer is. The point is how uh, creative the killer is, rather. So in the end, you you find... a real
0: Final Destination
1: situation. Right. Well, in the end, it's like, oh, we've solved the mystery, you're going, like, those were crazy leaps of logic, those were coincidences. Gotcha. Things like that. So it's like, it, it's, it's almost being Italian really fits. it <laughs> an exercise in style rather than any kind of coherent logic. Right,
0: right, right.
1: How did we get from here to there? You know, it's... it's yeah.
0: Yeah, it just I'm just like, mm, that is not going to
1: hold up in a court of law, y'all. Yeah, right. The, the things that won't show up, the bad detective work that turns out to find the clues. So I, I don't think in, in any way it's meant to be coherent. It's almost like the entire series is done with a sort of a dream logic.
0: There is a bit of, that. well, right. literally. I mean,
1: people <laughs> literally appeal to their dreams to give them clues for the crimes. So, yeah. yeah.
0: So then we're at One Eye Jack, and Mm -hmm. the Icelanders are signing the deal with Ben Horn. (laughs) Ben has a real trumpy signature, man. It is flourishy and huge, and I think he signed it with a calligraphy pen, like sort of
1: like John Hancock in the century. Yes, it's
0: crazy. It's super big. And then um, he gets a call in the middle of it and answers on like the old-fashioned phones with like the where the mouthpiece looks like a bell almost right. like but i guess in the middle of a brothel that's well in the middle aesthetically... of this very kind of
1: retro weird um, yeah and i might add there there's another example that dream logic the brothel seems to be designed uh along the lines of alice in wonderland it, yes yes
0: it, because later uh-huh. we see the card that Um, Audrey had picked is literally being sewn onto the front of her little red and white outfit so very much like as if the Queen of Hearts had a side
1: business (laughs) (laughs) well in this economy you have to find things that work for you no matter what and
0: then he gets a call so as they're signing this uh, deal Mm -hmm. which legally can't really work because he once again does not own the land that is happening right now. Uh, Hank Jennings calls him and informs him that the pieces are in place. That's not what he says. He says, I'm going to black flag your firebug. Right. And then I think he says, Leo Johnson's going to die or something like
1: that. Translation.
0: Let me be real... Slick about my code words, and then mm-hmm. just tell you what the fuck I'm saying, mm-hmm. anyways. Ben is like, It's go for lunch or whatever," and hangs up the phone, and then tells Blackie that he wants to celebrate by getting a look at the new girl. Ooh. Wouldn't be surprised. So then Bobby goes to Shelley's, right? Because they're just a pile of brains um, <laughs> to try and find her, but finds Leo instead, and Leo has an axe, and this that's how he's going to kill Bobby. I've got guns, but I'm going to axe this motherfucker in the middle of my house, which is going to be such a mess to clean up. And then, but he misses, like Bobby dodges or whatever, and falls down, and then a shot comes through the window and gets Leo in the chest, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and then Bobby stands up and looks out the window because... No survival instinct whatsoever. No, apparently not. Um, and sees Hank. Now, no. Does this nobody here has mm-hmm. done the right thing. <laughs> no. Bobby, don't stand up when a bullet just came through the window and shot the man who was trying to kill you. What's because next? that's a murderer out there. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want you to see him. And if he sees you, then he's probably going to kill you because he's a murderer. Also, hey, Hank. Did you see Leo? You saw, The light's on inside, and you're in the dark outside, so you saw what was happening. What do you think he was swinging an axe at, exactly? Right. Do you want to take a look around for uh, a witness or something? No? You just want to go, then.
1: Okay, bye, Hank. <laughs> well, it draws also the correlation between who shot the minor bird, because before I assumed it was um, Leo.
0: We think it's Leo.
1: Yeah, but this was a shot through the window the same way the minor bird was shot,
0: so... Yeah, but I don't think Hank is a flank about that minor bird. Hank was in prison during that whole thing. He does not care.
1: Or maybe he's covering up for somebody else. I mean, after all, he did kill um, Joseph's husband. Everyone?
0: So many people. (laughs) I'm running... I'm losing track
1: of how many people... It's a small town. It was a lot bigger before he got out of prison or before he went in.
0: Um, And then Bobby fucking saunters out of the room and is like, later, Leo. Uh, And so then Leo is left presumably to die, mm-hmm. on his couch, in his house, with Invitation of Love playing, and on in, 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 in Invitation to Love, someone else has also been shot.
1: Yeah, the criminal who's threatening the mousy character. I,
0: you're keeping track of the... I can't. I, because I honestly impressive.
1: believe that Invitation to Love... Is probably the key to the entire. I think mystery. you're probably. I think you might be right because about that. Because there's a reason why they keep cutting away to certain scenes in that program. Yeah. In the middle of action, so a man's dying thoughts are about the characters and in invitation. That they're probably important.
0: The next scene is the most infuri- infuriating to me. Mm-hmm. Catherine arrives at this drying shed, walks in.
1: I think it's very funny.
0: Shelley is there tied up she has not been able to get herself free in the last hour apparently we find out it's been an hour in just a second but and she's like please help me please help me she's not saying it very clearly because there is a gag in her mouth and katherine just stands there looking at her like who are you i can't understand what you're saying there's a thing in your mouth and i'm
1: just like (laughs) "Which is my favorite line now in the entire show
0: she doesn't like, make
1: a move to do anything. The dumbest the most obvious thing I can't this understand. This woman anybody. is
0: clearly <laughs> right. not here of her own free will. Right. She is crying and panicking. You can make out the begging. Like You right. can tell by the tone of voice. Unless, I don't know, are you so far into psychopathy that you don't understand emotion anymore, Catherine? Because...
1: Which could very well be the case. Maybe. I don't know. Just that And
0: then the, in the corner of the room, the um, kitchen timer dings, and the thing next to the kitchen timer, which I'm not sure what it is, it looks almost like a sterno can or something, right. like poofs into flame. And Catherine still is taking her sweet. She's like, what is going on? I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> right. She's moving so slow. I need a minute to think about what about this, and then she, then she goes over and pulls the the gag, the gag yeah. out of Shelley's mouth, and Shelley's like, "Please, we need to get out of here. <laughs> it's gonna burn down." And then. What all the gasoline?
1: Well, at first there's finally light, a minor explosion. Yeah, and a, then it's like the, the and it just
0: it just burns a little bit. But turns it's not over going or something,
1: and then it, it catches. And then lot it lot catches of, the yeah, because
0: right. he's spread you know um, or you know sprinkled gasoline all over the place, and it's a sawmill, so it's flammable stuff. We're right. in a drying shed, so i have got to assume that it's what's a, in well, there dry
1: wood, right?
0: Um, and then finally, Catherine picks up an axe and cuts um, the ropes that are hold or hatchet, excuse me. Well,
1: campcraft. <sighs> I need that one.
0: And she finally cuts her loose, and then they run out the back, or they, they run seemingly out. They seem to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, Catherine is frustrating as hell in the scene, though, because, hey, this woman is clearly not the one that called you to the area it was a dude on the phone mm-hmm. so she's probably not in on whatever it is that's happening if ever an alarm goes off of any kind and I mean even the ding of an egg timer and that flame happens get out right. what do you you do not need to take in the thing all you need to know is that's bad we need to leave, <laughs> and she has just taken her sweet time trying to figure out what's going on. Um,
1: but I, I do. I think that scene might have been done for comic effect because that line. There's no other way to read that line. I can't hear you. You have something in your mouth. That to me, it's yeah, but it's like, no. I don't know. <laughs> either you are a complete imbecile, or that's played up for comic effect.
0: I don't know. I don't because she is a good act. Like Piper Laurie oh, is yeah, she a is good very actress. Good. Is she a terrible comic actress? Like, is that what's happening? I, I didn't find it funny. <laughs> yeah, I was I like, very funny. woman? <laughs>
1: I'm going to need you. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a level of frustration, get out, get out, get out, get out, get before out. everything catches on fire. And she's just kind of very slowly coming along. What are you talking about? Can't and then you. the
0: next thing we see is Pete out front mm-hmm. of this building that's burning with right. a bunch of other workers. And they're like, um, oh, there shouldn't be. be anybody there. Right. And they're like, well, have you seen Catherine? That's her car. And they're like, no, we haven't seen her. And then Pete goes in. Pete goes in. Pete, she's not worth it.
1: And based on the fact that there was this tiny reconciliation that they experienced together.
0: Is that what it is? He's like
1: been lulled. She's still my wife. And he goes charging into a really burning building. And I don't think that Pete's going to make it.
0: Oh, no, don't say that. Because I'm pretty sure that Catherine's out. So well, I think
1: Casper left, you know, according to the strange chronology of this episode, which doesn't seem to make any sense, she probably had been gone for an hour before he came yeah. rushing in there to save her.
0: We were back she. at the hospital, and um, I had missed... Did this scene start? Anyways, the first thing I remember seeing was um, somebody taping Jacques Renaud's one free hand because mm-hmm. one of his arms is in a... Cast right exactly. Um, taping the free hand to the other, you know, to the arm of the bed, and then putting a pillow over his face. Um, but apparently, before that, Leland Palmer had set off the fire alarm, which I missed. Um, so everybody's evacuated, and then he is free left there, and it's him that does the taping. I didn't realize who it was until after. Right. Puts a pillow over Jacques Renault's face and suffocates him. So he has killed a witness. <laughs> so he, he didn't kill his daughter's murder. I
1: don't know that he doesn't know he killed his daughter's murderer because the implication No, 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 is
0: he believes
1: that... He, he believes that he's... He's killed I don't think his he's daughter's like, murder, but right.
0: clearly he's that's He's killed not the
1: me. only person who knows at all what's going on and sadly enough, the person who was there the night that his daughter died.
0: Yes, of course. So he is definitely culpable, <laughs> mm-hmm. but he is not the one. Right. And he might have been the only way to put the one behind yes, bars. which is terrible. And so that's why we don't tell the victim's family what's going on with the, <laughs> the well, investigation. to be honest, they didn't.
1: And no, I know. He just made a jump in logic, which yeah. everyone in this town goes, you know... The, the only exercise they get is jumping to conclusions.
0: Mm. Then we go back to One-Eyed Jacks. Mm. Ooh, I don't want this scene. We don't get it, though. So Audrey is having the Queen of Diamonds sewn onto the front of her <coughs> costume by mm.
1: some sort of
0: hunched, cloaked figure that we don't see other than a hunch and a cloak.
1: I assumed it was a dwarf.
0: I I don't know how big the person was, but they were definitely hunched and they were definitely just in a big brown like robe or cloak and you don't see them. Um and then she uh they hear the door, you know, the key going and so the the, the hunched I am not going to say dwarf.
1: The hun- no, I mean dwarf in a like a um a fairy tale context.
0: Yeah, no, that's,
1: that is the what it feels like. You it's pretty very much odd. see them running like, along... i like, is it
0: Rumpelstiltskin? Right. What's you, happening? You see them
1: running along, almost in silhouette, leaving and the they, room. And they, like,
0: yeah, scurry out yes. of the room in, like, a... But behind, a, like, a hidden door. Not the front door, because he's coming in the front door. And so she hears him coming in, and he says something, but he's down a hallway, so has not seen her. And mm-hmm. he's doing one of his quotes, mm-hmm. and she... 100% recognizes that voice. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: And that's it. We don't know what happens after that. He comes walking down the thing. My quick guess on this is that she is going to scamper out of that same little door mm-hmm. that, that, that that seamstress or seamster um, ran out of, but we don't know. That is it. it. We switch over, and we are at the Great Northern. Cooper is back home. Well, Home temporary home. Right. Uh, he is talking to uh, his ever-present dictaphone uh, to Diane. He's like, it's 437 and it is blessedly quiet. <laughs> the Icelanders have either passed out or checked out. He uh, says he might not need those, um, those earplugs anymore, uh, but he did get them and may use them prophylactically. And he is convinced that Leo Johnson will be able to evade the, what does he say, like the nets that they've set right. for him. And I'm like, hey, guy, my dude, have, is one of those nets just going to his house? Because he's at his own house on his own couch with his own bullet wound in his chest the nets don't need to be that complicated for this particular scoop he orders room service and finds a note left by audrey addressed to my special agent. before he can read that this is
1: very sweet (laughs) neither of these people is going to have a good night that's all i can say
0: he uh before he can read the note he hears a knock at the door and doesn't he answer the the phone rings and he answers it and he doesn't we he don't know who, who it fo- is. He,
1: the phone he'd already called up for room service for right. warm milk. So he answers the phone, he begins to get the part of a the story, then there's a knock at the door and so he puts the he phone says, off. Hold the Hold on, I've got right. our
0: room services coming, or room services here. And then you see a person in black and a gun, like the barrel of a gun, mm-hmm. and then he gets shot three times, point black at the chest.
1: Or, yeah, yeah. In the yeah.
0: chest. Um, all you see is the front of his tux.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and three bullet wounds. And that's it. To be continued, I will say for the record that I believe that he is wearing a vest of some sort because he just went on a stakeout right. to catch a murderer in Canada where he could not have a gun. I'm going to believe that he has uh, some sort of... Uh, that makes
1: perfect sense to me too.
0: Vest. Also, because I live in the world and I know that Kyle McLaughlin is in fact in season two and season three of this show. So, um, but I think it was a very effective, especially in 1989, mm-hmm. a very effective ending. Right, it was. Um, when Before did JR get appreciate. shot?
1: You know, I don't remember I'm it was look it up. earlier than that, certainly much earlier.
0: So, we think that they've basically solved the case at this point. Mm-hmm. They just have to clean up loose edges.
1: I think they think they've solved the case. Yeah. I don't believe that we're any closer to knowing what happened.
0: Yeah, and still, where did that paper letter come from? Right. Because this all feels like a local crime. Mm-hmm. But him coming in was because it had the feelings of a serial... Right. ...thing. So a
1: case that we're still not privy to.
0: Right. So it, that's an interesting way that they have sort of rounded it up. And also, ooh, there's a lot of murders in this little town. Right, exactly. In a week or whatever it's been, right? Because this is episode seven, mm-hmm. so it is... Literally a week later. And this whole thing took place on the same night as last episode. Um, This episode was called The Last Evening, which I did also found out um, I think I said this to you before we started but the episodes when they aired just had episode numbers, they didn't have names. When it was aired in Germany, it was given, each episode was given a title. And so that's what these titles are from. So, what are your thoughts? What do you think?
1: I think it was it. It was unsatisfying in that it didn't resolve all the loose ends, and we're still not sure what happened. We know that Jacques Renault did not kill Laura Palmer, but uh, we still don't know who attacked Dr. Jacoby. That's um, true. So, or what connection that has to the crime? We know that
0: J.R. was shot in the final episode of the seventy nine eighty season right. of Dallas, oh, no, yeah, or right. of a right. Dynasty, rather, and so that's a decade pre- prior, so it's kind of a, almost like a, a homage, like a right. anniversary homage. Um, oh yeah, I forgot that the attack on Jacoby is pretty
1: crazy, like... It's really what? violent. I yeah. think it could have been all, it could have very well been Leland because it was just some sort of big emotional kind That's of That's an
0: interesting thought. Yeah. Beat and the person he's as out he did not
1: stop hitting him so yeah.
0: Yeah, because we don't know he very well could have followed right. Maddie out um, he could have because he saw her go. Right. Exactly. We saw her I mean that would be my my guess go. for
1: that. Because it, also the fact that he didn't hit him once, he didn't No, it was
0: repeated, and um, and if it is Leland, then it
1: becomes even crazier that if he saw um, what he thought was his daughter roaming around outside the gazebo.
0: Right, right. That would cause him to snap for sure.
1: Well, I mean, he's already gone. He's
0: that's that's fair.
1: (laughs) But um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I, I think. It was a really interesting episode. It had a lot of stuff going on in it. It was very fast. It was hard to keep track of at times because so much was going on. Um, But I do feel like there were times that people did things to further a plot rather than in any way acting logically like people do.
0: Yeah, well, apparently, um, I'm looking at some trivia. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the only episode directed by co-creator Mark Frost. Right. And as a tactic to get the network to renew the series, Mm -hmm. he threw as many cliffhangers as he could into the final season finale, or season one episode, Mm -hmm. which is, it worked, because they got renewed um, the day that the episode aired. Like, ABC announced the renewal that day. ABC advertised uh, the episode with a clip of Sheriff Truman saying, you're under arrest for the murder of Laura Palmer. Mm -hmm. So everybody... Like, this was the number one watched episode uh, of television that day. Like, 22% of the available population watched it. I know. And that's never going to happen again. So a lot of people tuned in expecting that they're going to tell us who done it, right? And then when there wasn't, apparently there was, quote, a certain amount of anger from the audience. (laughs) So there were some letters. I bet some people wrote some letters. Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty bananas, like, everyone who, like, now I'm like, Josie, Josie Packard, you're a murderess, and I think you might have done all of it. Like, if she's, it wouldn't really surprise me if she was even behind One-Eyed Jacks.
1: I think that might be going too far, but I do think that she probably is in control, she is in all likelihood the crime boss of this time because everyone who is a criminal seems to do deference
0: that's true to her
1: and she has the confidence. because even as Hank is or, like this yeah.
0: ain't enough money she keeps going this is all you're going to get I mean we had an agreement she we shows absolutely
1: agreement. no fear in the face of these people uh, in those scenes like, yeah just none and so that makes No Nova does show
0: a lot of fear when she's with her boyfriend right mm, Josie you cold calculating bitch um, yeah, it's really... I'm, I'm very curious to know more about her. And I don't know how we're going to go forward with this show. Like, I feel like I want to watch it through the reveal of the murder, which apparently is in mm. episode seven of season two. Mm. Um, but then there are a whole bunch more episodes, which apparently are just kind of bananas and go off the rails. So we'll have to revisit. Maybe we'll watch them two or three at a time rather than one at a time.
1: Well, you know my feelings towards it. I will, I'm much more, rather than watch the show just sort of spin for a while, I yeah. would much rather see the, the, the through this particular... Uh, right,
0: watch, the, and then, you know, I, I, maybe we'll revisit that article that we talked about in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think what it had said and I, like I said I'll double check but it was like watch through the reveal of the murder mm-hmm. watch the final episode watch the movie
1: right um, which feels good to me right it does because I want to I'm not on board for just like I said just sort of spinning around and saying I want to get to Who Killed Laura Palmer I have yeah. a, a very especially
0: since it's seven more episodes like right. that's how many we've watched
1: right exactly
0: and we feel like we're there Mm -hmm. and we're only halfway there exactly um now i'm hoping that because what what my feeling is too is those other because i think the second season is 22 episodes i feel like those other 14 episodes might be that land of david lynch that i don't love where i feel like i watched the a thing and I'm sad that I want the
1: time back I'll tell you what I think it is this is going to sound funny to people who actually follow the show seriously
0: I don't think anybody follows this show seriously well I mean no you'd be surprised
1: probably but what I think that we're going to be missing if we cut out those episodes is a lot of drama about who's running the sawmill and who's you know stuff like that well yeah provided
0: that any I mean mm -hmm.
1: Or with the, jacked, the amount
0: of people of who subject. were shot in this episode, there might not be any of Twin Peaks left by the right. end of episodes. They might just be like the Log Lady and Norma. <laughs> That's it. Just keeping each other company. Yeah,
1: I, I, I think it probably makes I've sense. I've
0: followed the track with Leo uh, this far, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that there is a spin, and I don't know what that spin's going to be.
1: Yeah,
0: Uh, do you have any current recommendations?
1: I have a strange one. Awesome. Um, There is a guy who's producing. uh, This is really, you know, we're doing a show about people who are late to the party, and I think this is one that is early to the party. Uh oh. Uh, A few months ago, I became Facebook friends with a guy named Nev Buchanan. Nev. Nev Buchanan. Buchanan. Okay. I think it's short for Neville. And he's in, based in England, and he uh, worked in the special effects industry for a long time. Okay. Doing films and television and things for uh, major films, and also things like the Discovery Channel. And he has an interesting backstory where when he was a young boy, he winds up going down the road and meeting Ray Harryhausen at his house and being escorted around the studio
0: so you and en- idolize and envy this man
1: well, I envy this man, certainly, you know because uh but then Harry was that way. if you visited his house, he'd actually just show you around and and try to foster your interest in special effects and that kind of technology. Neb Buchan has created a Facebook page um in order to get interest going in funding a feature film that he's making out of his house, okay <laughs> and so he's created this sort of wild and um if you look it up on Facebook, it's under the, the page Forge Neutralization Squad. F-O-R-G-E. Uh-huh. And it's this fantasy that involves elements of science fiction, um, characters from uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and these sort of elaborate combinations of special effects that he's doing essentially with no financing, with no studio um, help at all. And he's releasing these as short episodes and that can be found on that website. So uh, it's going to be all eventually like a serial.
0: So it's called Forge Neutralization
1: Squad. Squad. And it's on Facebook. You can find he goes to the, the trouble of, of um, what's interesting on that Facebook page is he's showing you the entire process from building the puppets to the test scenes to showing wow. you how it's all put together. And the fact that he's worked with stop-motion animation and computer-generated effects and miniatures, he's putting this all together when you think that he's basically just doing this on his own. Art for the sake of art. But also, if you like seeing the process, especially of layering all these special effects together, it's a really interesting place to visit.
0: Whoa! This is pretty amazing looking.
1: Yeah, and you should see when he starts, the guy is putting together, like the miniatures of the spaceships, there are scenes where there's literally dozens of flying objects flying around him, and, and like I said, every kind of science fiction trope from Doctor Frankenstein to pirate ships and Martians, and it's it's really interesting the scope of what he's trying to do, and again the fact that here's a person who has the technical knowledge for it and he's just doing it for its own sake, hoping eventually to put together like a short feature film, but releasing them as tiny kind of uh, episodes.
0: Well, he's not doing a very good on his job on his, at least on the mobile site, mm-hmm. of his page telling me, Yeah,
1: oh, I think he's still putting that all together.
0: I mean, yeah, but like, hey, buddy, let me pay you a thing. And he's got, yeah, YouTube links and better viewed with, you know, try and watch it on your phone. <laughs> yeah. It's better on the television. That's fair.
1: But I'm just really impressed with the scale of all the stuff he's doing and the fact that on here, you can see both the animation test, and you'll see where it sets up, and he adds the other stuff in there, so you're watching it being made in front of your eyes. Yeah. It's really kind of impressive just watching it all come together.
0: And the size of these, some of these um, models of yeah. these ships is pretty impressive. Yeah, no, this is very cool. But, yeah, dude, tell me how to give you dollars. Maybe somebody else will be able to figure it out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right, so what am I going to recommend? So I am going to recommend a movie that um, somebody on Facebook and one of my groups had, um, (laughs) had linked to it on Netflix with the phrase, or with the comment, hmm, full frontal male nudity. And I was like, I'm in! But that's not why I was in. I was in because it was Creep 2, which is a sequel to the Duplass Brothers, I don't know if it's both of the Duplass Brothers, but I think it is, uh, original horror film from 2016, maybe 2015, called Creep, which I, we saw on Netflix, and really liked. It was a very interesting take on a found footage horror
1: movie. It's one of the best found footage films. I I don't
0: the the way that the footage is explained is very smart Mm -hmm. and it fits like at no point are you like, Why is this footage that I can see? Like this doesn't make any kind of sense at all.
1: Oh, it, no, like it tracks. It's very smooth. It's The story is really well put together.
0: Mark Duplass is mm. very good in it, mm. and he's very good in this one. I like him a lot anyways. Right. Um, Did and you he, want to
1: explain what the plot is, or is that going mm, kind to of give anything away? Mm-hmm.
0: No, it's a horror movie with Mark Duplass and usually one or two other people. That is the entirety of the casting in these mm. movies for... 98 percent of them and you Um, should
1: classify when you say a horror movie it is a it's what we used to call the old days psychological horror it
0: is a psychological thriller but there is a modicum of gore there are jump scares Mm -hmm. If you're not a fan of a jump Mm, scare this is not it for you um They're both at tight 80 minutes, (laughs) Um, so you could watch both of them back to back. Uh, This one was a very interesting follow-up to the first one. I was curious how they were going to do a sequel. It really held together well. The other main character is a woman of color, which is always nice to see. Um, And she's super smart and like a really really well-written character. And the woman is a very good actress. I don't know her. I I'd not seen her before, Um, which I think is actually good in a situation like this. Found footage. I don't want to be seeing in Catherine Heigl. Like I know that you're not in a found footage movie.
1: That's the strength of having unknown actors when you cast them. Is that you don't know if they're going to make it through. It's when you're watching, but and also Mm -hmm.
0: and it's almost impossible at this point at this stage of the found footage movie, mm-hmm. to be drawn into the fact that it's a found footage movie. Right, exactly. Now, I saw... I'm going to go ahead and say the first of these, the Blair Witch Project, mm-hmm. the original Blair Witch Project. I saw, in college, um, it was Halloween of 1998. It was maybe six months before the movie came out in theaters. It was in... Mm, I Napstered it or something. Mm. I downloaded it on my computer, and I watched it, and I had literally no idea whether it was real or not. There was no information on these actors. IMDb was not a thing. I was kind of heartbroken when the movie finally came out, and the night before the movie came out, they were interviewing the stars Mm -hmm. of the movie on late-night TV. I was Mm -hmm. like, y'all are ruining this. Because liter- I lit- I had zero idea whether it was real or not because there was no advertising engine they didn't have these people out doing interviews because it, it was so far in advance of the release date mm. and but what the the, the the very smart marketing team had done was set up a website that looked like a legit police in like a like or a person following an investigations website, uh, you know this is nineteen ninety eight so web technology was a different thing right. um, but it was snapshots of what looked like crime scene photos, right? right and that is all that is all you could see if you googled Blair Witch or whatever <laughs> yahooed it <laughs> um, yeah, I might have asked jeeves, I don't know it was a long time ago <laughs> um, <Wow>. and <laughs> And uh, th- so that found footage really mm-hmm. worked for me. That doesn't, you. that's not the case anymore. I mean, there are found footage movies with Michael B. Jordan in it, and I'm like, yeah, well, dude, but you're not found because you're Creed. The, so <laughs> b-
1: the Blair Witch Project, the filmmakers themselves acknowledge that their debt to a film I saw when I was a kid, and it's interesting, the similarity. There was a documentary film called The Legend of Boggy Creek. Oh, Yeah that was released in 1972 from mm-hmm. an Arkansas filmmaker. He shot it with no real actors. He really made it up to be in a documentary like you were watching mm-hmm. an episode of In Search Of, about a, sort of a Bigfoot creature that wanders around okay. the Texas Arkansas swamps. And as a kid, something about it scared the hell out of everybody. And of course, right. you find out none of it was actually true. No. And so when the Blair Witch Project came out, unfortunately, um, by the time I saw it, the cat was out of the bag. Right. And there were well, they did that,
0: like I said, the night before the yeah. thing was out, Heather is on, you know, Carson's couch. It probably wasn't Carson. Letterman. Right. She, I think she was on Letterman. And I was like, you guys don't know what you have.
1: Right. I don't, yeah, it was an unknown quantity at mm-hmm. the time. And I think there was a lot of imitators after that. I think the um, paranormal activity, right? Mm-hmm was the only other series where that was hit and miss with getting it, but mm-hmm. occasionally they really got the, the... I think the third film in that series is, the, I think, the most successful of, of all the ones they did. They did five, right? Mm, five, because Six,
0: because they did the marked ones. Right. They had
1: sort of offshoots. Sh- mm-hmm. off um, but in general... Down to webcams. Right. And
0: webca- webcams was the last one, I think.
1: But there was there's only so far you can take that with creep, there's a perfectly logical reason mm-hmm. why this person wants to be photographed. He's mm-hmm. a narcissist for one reason. And I won't right. go into details about that. It's a really very subtle performance.
0: it is. And he looks markedly different from one film to the other, right exactly in the in the first creep movie, he's very clean shaven, mm-hmm. or he's clean shaven short hair, the way the Mark Duplass looks right. in, in all of the things that he's in. And in this one, he has a beard, his hair's a little bit longer, he's more unkempt, and yeah, there is an extended sequence where he is standing nude in the... For <laughs> like reasons he,
1: that make sense only to him. In, too. It's yes, yes, in
0: the um, just in frame mm-hmm. for a minute.
1: It's a little more, yeah. It's
0: It's a good amount of time. And then... There is also a scene, same scene basically, where she, in an effort to equate herself with him, also takes off her clothes. Mm -hmm. He's holding the camera, and you see a flash of breast, but it's on her face the whole time. It does not, and you can see her sort of disrobing, Mm -hmm. but he can't put the... the, uh, camera on her full nude form, which I think was a very... is
1: a very intelligent... There's a lot of really intelligent choices in these two films. And people often, when they ask me to recommend a horror film, it's not... Because, I mean, I write ghost stories. Right. I try to find a sideways way of writing them because there's so many of them Mm -hmm. that exist already. And what I try to emphasize is when a person... When I used to listen to people tell me about their experiences... And they're confiding something in me. And these two films have a lot of that element of I'm gonna tell you something. Because he's constantly telling you stories, this character, mm-hmm. Mark Duplass's character. You don't know if any of them are true. And it turns out most of them aren't, or maybe hey, they are. Let's spoil. Well let's spoil. that's not quite spoiling it because He
0: he may not be. It's intriguing a enough to where
1: you're going to listen to it. Yes, no, she's completely true. unreliable. But the, the the truth is, you're listening to it, and by the second film, so you you know from the first film that he's like this. By the second film, you're beginning to try to sort out or tease out the threads. Yeah. And that's what makes the second film really because some of what he movie. says
0: is true. The way that he says it. And you're waiting for him. Is he going to repeat yeah.
1: something from the first film that yeah. lets me know that he's telling the truth? Yeah. Or there's something. It's, it's very good. There's something about that whole close up on the woman's face while she's disrobing that seems to justify something he says later on in the film yeah. and go, maybe that story was true. Was true, right. So, yeah, it's actually very intelligent, very well thought out, and congratulations to them to doing something with a cast of two people Yeah. in both occasions um, and coming out with a really outstanding result.
0: Yeah. So, that's now. I guess both of them are on Netflix.
1: Yeah, both of them are Netflix. So, but keep your thinking cap on. This is not.
0: Yeah, it's not a it's not a zone out mm-hmm. thing. It is. It's a talking movie. It is a it is a movie where right. two characters are talking to each other, and yes, it is also a horror movie. <laughs> right.
1: My so. dinner with Andre with an axe or something. That's yeah. <laughs> this way to describe yeah, it that
0: works. Um, so I think that brings us to the end. We have recorded a very long episode, but it was a heck of a...
1: There was a lot to go through. There was a
0: lot to unpack. So um, we will see you next week with, or you will hear from us next week with yes, yeah. uh, episode one of season two. We're going to we we're gonna plow through, plow through. for now. Um, you can find us on Twitter, at LatecomersPod. You can find us on Facebook. I am super sorry to everybody who I just decided was going to be in our group.
1: Recruited them.
0: It was an accident. Uh, thank you for bringing my attention to it.
1: It was a draft.
0: Um, I did not mean to draft you without your uh, without your consent. I really am all about consent, and I do apologize. I was mortified and almost canceled the podcast because oh, I, I was uh I cried. It was bad. It was
1: excellent. So,
0: um, but if you want to be in our Facebook group, just add, just let me know, and I will jo- I will add you gleefully. Um, <laughs> what else? You can email us at uh, latecomerspod at gmail I am at Amity Armstrong on Twitter. Hey, you're like the Jason Manzucas of the group. Do you have Twitter? Not yet. I can't wait till you. Sign up for Twitter and then surprise the hell out of me one of these recordings. <laughs> and then, oh, uh, uh, amityarmstrong.com for all of my other stuff. There's a lot of stuff on there. A lot of stuff. Um, there's actually not that much stuff. There's just
1: coming soon. But you want to be there at the beginning.
0: That's right. Get in early. Right. Get in on my ground floor. Find, it, find a
1: seat before there's no seats to be had. That's right.
0: Um, I guess that's everything. Yep. Have a wonderful week, and remember better late than never. Don't scrunch your face.
1: I didn't scrunch my face. I Don't my head. Um, <laughs> you dropped your head. <laughs> Shame. <laughs>